0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 79 of the Curtain Call podcast presented by the Yes Network. I'm Justin Shackle. He is Yes Network president of production and programming John J. Filippelli. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode here. And we have uh, two weeks to go in the regular season. And it feels like the New York Yankees have found some breathing room here after a rocky month and a half or so. But there is one story taking center stage right now. Aaron judges chase for 62 home runs. And I personally find it fascinating how this ties into the art of television. So John, this is right in your wheelhouse. Obviously we saw some interesting new features around Aaron judges pursuit of 62. Sometimes things just fall into place. And we saw that earlier this week when the Yankees were facing the pirates, they had a five run ninth inning started with, number 60 from Aaron judge. And then it ended with a walk off grand slam from Giancarlo Stanton. What was that inning like on television?
1: Um, uh, I have done this for nearly 50 years. That's a really, really long time. I've been in, in, in the television sports television business. I've seen a lot of shows. I have been involved in a lot of very memorable games, a lot of very memorable moments. Um, that was as electrifying a half inning in in, in, first of all the stadium was just i mean you talk about a a place being lit up um you talk about electricity you talk about a pulse i mean the, the yankee stadium was 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 all of those things and but the the coverage on yes and i know i'm i'm partial so excuse me because i send the president of production program and the executive producer so i'm going to be a little partial you're here, allowed but,
0: to be You've uh, got to i'm be proud be, of the product right
1: i am very proud of this product and i'm very proud of the people who, that we have and i'm very proud of what who, what they put on display that night um that was as good a happening of television sports television and i that i have seen in terms of a sports production standpoint that i have seen maybe ever That's how good I thought it was. If you go back and you look at the the emotion of that half inning, you look at the camera shots by Danny Barr, and you look at the replays of of Troy Benjamin, you look at the commentary, you listen to the commentary of Michael Kay, David Cohn, and Paul O'Neill, who I think are are the three simmers you'll find. That's my opinion. Um, And I um, go back and the the work that, you know, the hard work that, you know, Meredith always does you go back and you just watch it again as i've done a couple of times now and i am just amazed at how 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 everything just fits together um it was as i mentioned before the emotion of it was incredible the shot these shots i mean those were the, some of the most emotional celebratory shots i have ever seen the 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 replays were were spectacular uh the uh you know our uh, our super shot, you know, camera technology is was in uh, evidence that it's far and away the most superior, you know, uh, you know, replay device that there is. Um, and you saw it again and again and again how strong it is. Um, everything about it just fit, and to do that under the we you you don't have the luxury of retakes. So this is all live; it's in real time. To put on the, the kind of production that the, the the kind of show that you were able to see, the kind of the way that happening was documented, how you cover a game, how you chronicle a moment is almost as important as the moment itself because it's how you're going to remember it. It is your memories, and people walked away from that night with incredible memories. And and, and yes, had obviously very much was an evidence what yes, is part of it was. So it was great. It was great to be part of that. It was great to to see our our, our group perform. At that level, uh, when the stakes were the, the highest, the stakes were high. The game meant a lot because the Yankees need to win these games. Uh, Toronto was uh, is kind of right with us, right, kind right breathing at us. I mean, Yankees haven't clinched anything, and so it was really important that, that that from that standpoint that the Yankees win the game. And for the pursuit of history, I mean, this tied Babe Ruth, the legendary, you know, the the greatest, you know, the greatest single figure in the history of baseball is Babe Ruth, and this to, to tie him in the way in which it was done. Uh, was just incredible. So it was a great moment for history. It was a great moment for sports production. It was just a great moment to be at Yankee Stadium, great moment to watch it on television. Any which any metric you want to use, any descript, description you want to put to this thing, it did justice to it.
0: I think it's important for all of us to recognize how rare of an opportunity this is for fans, for sure. But from the angle that we're coming at from a, a television production standpoint. It's mid-September, okay. I don't. I can't think of another opportunity b- before this chase, other than maybe Derek Jeter's final month in September, where you have a packed stadium and the media volume is through the roof. It does feel like a playoff game. You're get, and and obviously, the YES Network doesn't produce. Or broadcast playoff games, so this is making all of, of these elements come together, and it's happening in live time, like you just said, real time. When you think about all the components and the elements that come together in real time, that's one thing. But there's some room to pre-plan some new elements, and I think about what we saw as he's now going for Roger Maris's 61, ultimately 62 little things, little nuances, like maybe like the camera walking with him up to the plate. How do these features, these, these techniques, how do they come together behind the scenes? Like who's coming up with these ideas?
1: Well, you know, listen, this is nothing. If it's not a collaborative business, you know, and you know, I, I, Joe Torrey used to famously say, uh, I'll take best idea in the room. And if you're smart as a manager, you sit in a room with smart people (laughs) And you say, I've got a couple of ideas and you throw them out and someone will say, I like this. I like that. How about we try this? about oh, that's good. But I've also got, how about if we add this to the discussion? They add this to the discussion. And you know, when I see you know, the, that is the way things come together. It's through discussion and communication and we discuss and we communicate and we, We Zoom call and we meet in person and we go to trucks and and mobile units and we sit down together and we come up with things. And when the shows are over, you know, we we say this worked, this worked, this didn't work as much as we'd like. This was okay, but we could make this better. This wasn't okay. This was great. And you keep what really works and you jettison what doesn't work or you refine things that sort of work, but you don't have the potential to be better. Um, That's the way this comes together. It's through discussion And it's through, sometimes it's trial and error, but in a lot of cases, it's through experience, where experience tells you this is special, and you need to document this in a way that's a little different from the regular season, because this is for history, you know, and and you have to respect the fact that it is for history, and you have a lot of very interesting people who work here. And yes, and then across the businesses, yes, there's other places that have obviously interesting people. And the process is, I would think, would be similar. But, you know, but again, you have to be open to sometimes like new, like, for instance, if we could get the Yankees were were flying a a drone around the stadium. or they will be uh, the next few days for they're shooting some footage for their scoreboard things so i don't know if we we could tap into that i don't know what the rules or regulations are for for certain how when these drones can fly i mean there's a lot of faa stipulations all kinds of things i don't know what we can and cannot do but we're looking into the fact of possibly having a camera on it for a for a live at bat from judge if in fact saturday comes and we still he hasn't broken the record that's something we would consider because why not if it and if it doesn't work and then it's on tape and no harm no foul right? If it was work, you could have well, the most spectacular replay shots in history. You, what, you don't know.
0: When is the Yes Network drone arriving? Is that happening anytime soon?
1: <laughs> Let's just say that we, we've got a lot of things on uh, the... Uh in the discussion right now and and we you know as we have all along with listen, the good news about this thing this process is it wasn't like to snuck up on us i mean we sort of knew we had a chance to 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 do this as, as soon as you know may we had an idea that if he stayed healthy we he was projected to hit, you know i don't know 78 9 and home runs if he stayed healthy and, and that was the case stay healthy If stayed healthy, this was this this was very much in evidence, and we've talked about it as it as moved along, and as he went so far ahead of everybody, and the projections, we started to realize that this could very well happen, and you plan for it, you plan for everything, and hope that something happens.
0: It's interesting. After he hits home run number sixty, obviously that's the story because Aaron Judge's chase is the story, and sometimes in an MVP race, the story. Is what matters most. So, is the MVP debate between Aaron Judge and Shohei Ohtani all done with, with here?
1: As far as I'm concerned, it's, it's it's totally done. I mean, it was it was. I, I listen. Ohtani is a great player, and to anybody to suggest that he's not is foolish. Anybody to suggest that in any other year he's not the MVP doesn't know the game. I mean what he's doing is is quite remarkable. It's incredible that he's a great talent. Having said those things, there is no way he's the MVP. I mean, it means most valuable. The V, there's a V in there, right? M- MVP, right? MVP, mm-hmm. let's spell this right. MVP. The V is for valuable. And he and Judge is the most valuable. He's the most valuable player. The, 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 with all due respect to the, to the angels, they didn't go very far. And 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 it's not his fault. He's done everything he could do. But the reality is that V for valuable. How valuable is he? The team is where they are. But the Yankees, without judge, are in a serious trouble as a team. Mm-hmm. So he's this, truly the most valuable in any metric you want to use. This is the greatest season that I have ever seen a player have. I have and I've seen a lot of seasons in my years on this planet. And I've seen a lot of baseball. Okay, I have never seen anything remotely approaching this. It's the most incredible achievement that I have ever ever seen. Even Mickey Mantle. I mean, I was really really young when Mantle, you know, had this Triple Crown '56. I was really really young, and I don't, I can't say that I have, I remember every day I vaguely remember it, but I'm obviously as someone who considers themselves somewhat of a baseball historian, a little bit on some level. I've I've studied it. I've looked at it. And the pitching then wasn't the pitching now, was it? You can't you can't draw and say that those numbers they were great numbers by mental incredible numbers, but they were you know it was they were against the same thing with Ruth incredible numbers, but they were against pitching that is is really honestly is, is almost laughable up against the pitching of today. It's a different situation.
0: You can't what about apples? Yeah, what about ninety eight or what Barry Bonds was doing for? four or five years, 2000, and 2004, is what Aaron Judge is doing today mm-hmm. more impressive because of the pitching?
1: Well, it's, well I mean, there's I, I, there, are, there are those who would suggest to you that the, that uh, Barry Bonds had some help, <laughs> and Mark McGuire had some help, and Sammy Sosa had some help. Now, I don't know that that's – I can't say that definitively, but it, one would think – I mean, the, 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 the common thought is that they had a lot of uh, help. To get to those marks okay and that's what that and i think that is obviously the the, the uh the uh, perception mm-hmm. i mean it doesn't mean that it's the reality but i would the perception sometimes is reality so i would say to you that that's that's the perception if, and that's that's my perception is that they had help to, to get to where they got i'm being help. very nice i'm i'm shading this every which way that I well can. i'll tell
0: you i say this was side yeah. Say that you did have the help, okay? Let's just say uh, yeah. they all had help in, in the way that we are yes. insinuating. I still think Aaron Judge's performance is more impressive just because the pitching back then is not what we have today between the technology, the high-speed cameras, multiple pitchers on every team throwing triple digits, fresh pitchers coming in three times through the lineup being a thing as well, yes. all the yeah. vertical break, the horizontal, everything being measured, the spin rate. The league average batting average is its lowest since 1968. And then you have what Aaron Judge is doing. So you can throw that in if you want to try and handicap Aaron Judge. I still think it's the most impressive
1: it is the most impressive because as again, we talked about the pitching back with Mantle's day. Well, 98 is a lot, a lot further along the Mantle's day. But having said that the pitching has changed even dramatically in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I would say that that there is real merit to what you, uh, what you're saying for sure.
0: All right. Let's get to some non Aaron judge questions with this New York Yankees team two weeks to go until the end of the regular season. What do you think the Yankees need to figure out most?
1: I wouldn't even know where to start. I mean, <laughs> they've got a lot of things they have to figure out. I mean, this certainly, look on its best day when, when we were talking in, in July in June, and about every day was a new, a new march, a new a new approach to history to, in terms of winning percentage and great Yankee teams of all time. Well, this certainly is not a great the greatest Yankee team of all time. It isn't close to the greatest Yankee team of all time. It isn't it is a good baseball team. They're not they're not as good as they were when everybody was suggesting this is one of the all-time great teams. They're certainly not that. And they're not as bad to me as they were with the, the way they played in the month of August, which was fairly horrendous. So I I, I would say to you, they're not as good as they, they were on their on their best day, and they're not as bad as they were on their worst day. They are somewhere, obviously, in between. Um, they're a good baseball team. They're not a great baseball team. And they're a team that faces some severe challenges. Among the most would be right now the bullpen situation is something they really do have to straighten out, first and foremost. And they have someone other than Aaron Judge has to hit. And, you know, this, it's encouraging to see Torres, you know, starting to hit. And it's encouraging to stand at the Grand Slam the other night. I mean, those they have to play. They have to hit. If the Yankees are going to win, it's got to be someone other than, besides Judge, who's carrying them. So they've got to get more consistent, Rizzo, they've got to get more consistent, come back from injuries. Guys have got to start to hit consistently behind him so they can't pitch around him, you know, which is obviously going to start happening. You've been to play if you're playing good teams with good pitching you know, and, and, and that's enough of a challenge. So the Yankees are going to have to have guys who step up who can hit, and the bullpen has to be able to do its job, which it hasn't been able to do. The closer situation is, I mean, I you know, I think it's going to fall back to Chapman right now. I mean, I don't think they have a choice. A lot of issues.
0: The glaring emptiness within the Yankee lineup was so obvious when Anthony Rizzo and Giancarlo Stanton were out of action. Their mere presence, I think, improves things just supporting – Aaron judge, obviously, and you'd expect them to perform in an October atmosphere. I think the X factors are like you mentioned, Gleyber Torres, who's swinging the bat really well right now. Josh Donaldson also has really improved since he's returned from the paternity list. If you want to connect the two outlooks, change mentality changes. It's all feasible for sure. But I think they become bigger, bigger X factors because We're learning that DJ LeMayhew, despite probably coming off the injured list shortly, is also probably not going to be 100%. People keep chronicling the returns of an Andrew Benintendi, Matt Carpenter. For me, I'm very pessimistic when it comes to that stuff. I'm expecting absolutely nothing. I'm acting as if they're not going to show up. And same thing, like you mentioned, the bullpen. That's the biggest question for me. I'm, I'm not counting on anything from Zach Britton. And the biggest question I have right now is where the final five outs are coming in a playoff game for the New York Yankees. Who's going to be on the mound trying to get those last three to five outs? You mentioned a role to Chapman. It's ironic and it's completely feasible that he's going to have to come full circle here through the course of the season for this team to ultimately get to where they want to be, right?
1: I think so. I mean, I, I you know, Schmidt, you know, is possibility. I mean, they, they, they've got to figure it out. That's what they – they have got to use the remaining games to – because you, you don't – you can't go into October and say, well, okay, let's see, we're going to do a closer by committee. We're going to do – no, it doesn't. I mean, it, it doesn't work like that. Not in October, it doesn't. So they're going to have to figure this out in the in, in the next you know uh, short period of time. We don't have many games left. They have to figure out wh- what who's going to wh- who's going to do this and and you know and and it's. It... <laughs> I, 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 they don't have a lot of options right now. I mean, it's not like they can go trades, go trades for somebody, or they can go signs. You can't. I mean, that's these things are set, and you you have your roster that you have, and you have a, a limited space that you when you get to your final roster, and and they they, the players that they have, the players are going to have to use, so they're going to have to figure it out. And I don't, I don't envy them, but they've got, they have to. They're going to go anywhere in October. They've got to figure out those last five outs. I'm in total agreement with you. It's not starting pitching. Starting pitching looks okay to me. They're okay there. They're, they've kind of always been okay there this year. The starting pitching has not been their problem. And the Severino coming back gives them just a, a, a huge shot in the arm. That's a huge shot in the arm. But, but again, they're, they're not, these guys are not pitching nine innings. So, you know, you, you have to be able to go to a, a reliable back end of a, a back end bullpen. They don't have it right now.
0: See, that's part of what I think makes October really special because even last year, you don't have to go far for many examples. Like the Braves bullpen came together magnificently in a matter of a few moments and they figured out what worked, which role served each of their specific pitchers really well. And and they went with it. I think back to like 1996 guys like Graham Lloyd and David Weathers, they, they caught fire in specific roles for that team on their way to, to winning a championship title. The issue here is that you have capable relievers whom you have a specific role in mind to serve. And you don't want them to deviate from that role and put them in that again, last three to five out role, so to speak, because you have a, a you know, reliability and a guy like Wandi Peralta, but you don't want him to be saved for an eighth or ninth inning, you want him to try and put out a fire, and maybe in a fifth or sixth inning. So you're trying to, right now, trying to avoid using square pegs for round holes. And you have you, you have to have some of these, you know, old guard relievers. I can't believe I'm I'm talking in this frame with like an Aroldis Chapman step up here and be who the Yankees thought they would be. Um, it's an interesting. An uncertain scenario for a bullpen, but uh, but we've seen it come together. That's the, that's the beauty of October. It just takes a moment. That's really cool. Um, you mentioned the rotation. Another guy, Frankie Montas. Yankees had big plans for him in the rotation here down the stretch. That hasn't happened yet. Has an ERA over six in his time with the Yankees. He has some shoulder issues. It is looking like that trade was a disaster. Is it safe to call for what the Yankees got him for, is that deal a disaster?
1: Did you say it was safe to call it a disaster? Was that the word you used? Yes, you said, is it is safe to call it that? A safe disaster. <laughs> it's 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 beyond safe. Um, I'm not saying that he's without talent. Obviously, he's a very talented pitcher. Uh, but bec- whether it's a combination of not being 100% physically, uh, which I think is part of this for sure. Uh, but I I said there was one name I said over and over and over and over and over. Castillo, 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 Castillo. I think that was what they needed. Um, I I'm not in charge. I don't make those decisions. The people in charge make very good decisions. They really do. And I'm I'm not trying to sit here and second guess them or whatever. I'm not trying to do that. All I'm saying is uh, that to me was where you go. When you're this close, when you have the team that they had at the trading deadline, and you're looking for that the one guy that puts you over the top, you make a deal. You make that deal. It's easy to say. It's very hard to sit there and argue about the future. I can sit there. We've got a short like Volpe. Volpe is a great prospect. Not a good one, a great one. And, but, you know, if you have a chance to win a championship, and, and this is, you know, maybe the one piece you need, whether it's a Justin Verlander going back some years, whatever, you go back, and those pieces are they're there. And I know it costs, it's going to cost you. And you don't want to give up the young talent. That's those prospects are gold. Sometimes I get it. I understand it. And that's a real dice roll. And I'm not saying I'm the, my what I'm saying is, is is 100% right, but it's what I believe. I believe you just go for it. You have to go for it. And to me, if you have to trade some, you trade them. You know, if it's going to cost you a Volpe, and it's you know, and you're trying to get, you know. Uh, Player like the Washington Nationals, had the let's let's play a little game here. Let's make up a name here. Oh, I don't know. What would you say if you had to take one player from the Nationals? Who would have been?
0: His name Soto, would have been right? Juan Soto.
1: Yes, of course, right. So we're, we're playing a little game here. Okay, so Soto, right? I don't know that that was. I mean, the Yankees were in that for a little bit of time, but if that's the chance, if that's where you're going, and you say, "I got a prospect who's great prospect. He's 21. I got Soto's twenty three, and he's a superstar. That's not a prospect. That's a superstar. Do the math. Yeah. So you go sit there and you say, okay, do you do it? I mean, this is easy to play GM. It's very easy to sit here and play because we don't. I don't know what the Yankees know. Obviously, I don't have the information that they have. Obviously, and this is what I'm going. Is just just a gut feel, which we're having a conversation in a podcast. Okay, but having said that, I, I mean that's sometimes I just think that that's. You just have to go in that direction. I, I think sometimes it's very easy to be extremely st- – to sort of sit there. And I don't want to say take the safe route. It's not the safe route the Yankees took. They took the best, second best pitcher that was on the market because the, the first best pitcher was the Kings' ransom, and they didn't really want to go in that direction in terms of the players they would have to give up because I think they, they felt overall was going to hurt them. And I understand that philosophy. But you have a player like that sitting there, and you say, you know what, that's this this to me is the difference maker. I'm just gonna go for it. You can find you'll find another prospect, you'll sign another player, you'll do it. if if your farm system's doing what it's supposed to do, you can, you'll find other people. You know, I just think you have to go for it. And I think that was the big mistake. I think it was a big mistake in, in that respect. And you know, they went and got the second best pitcher. he's, he's a good player when he's healthy. I don't know if he's 100 healthy. Obviously, it's showing that maybe he's not. Because when you pitching the way he's pitched since he's come to New York, he just hasn't been who the as advertised, the talent that the Yankees believe him to be. So, well, overall, maybe he maybe listen. He stays here. He has a couple. He could, he could be a big star next year's so year after the Yankees have for a couple of October's if they keep him. And you know, maybe he he gets healthy and he performs the way to the level of which he's capable. And then this all looks like a silly discussion. But right now, it's a discussion. The Yankees needed help in in that area, and they needed a stopper in that respect. They needed certainty, certitude from the starters. And the starters have pitched pretty well for the most part. But that extra piece that they needed, they just didn't get.
0: Again, the Yankees definitely know more than the rest of us do. Uh, But sometimes you'd like to see them leave, no doubt, in seasons like this where great things are very much up for grabs for sure. Um, one prospect that they've held on to and they've since promoted to the big leagues is a guy that not uh, too many Yankee fans had on their radar maybe two months ago as a, a legit major league option, but that's Oswaldo Cabrera. And I mean, he, he he's come up offensively, hasn't lit the world on fire, but for a rookie on a team like this, he is certainly not Embarrassed himself at the plate in the field. He has looked electric and it's really impressive because he has been plugging and playing in every which position at the Yankees throw at him. So where is Oswaldo Cabrera for the Yankees in game one of a division series? John.
1: The lineup. (laughs) He's in the lineup. He's somewhere. You got to put him somewhere. Um, Uh, he's been, you know, what I'll tell you what, even though I know he has hit for average, he hits there's a sound when he hits the ball. You could tell he said he hits it hard, you know, he does. And you know, this is there were times when you could see he just doesn't know it, just he just doesn't know the league. You know, he's learning the league, he's inexperienced in that respect. There's a lot of talent there. Sometimes, look, remember when Judge first came up and How he struggled this first, you know, first brought him up to the big leagues, and he struggled fairly mightily, you know. He didn't, and then you look at him now and you say, Well, oh, whatever those struggles, well, they're long behind him, but you know, and and I, but it's an adaption, you know, you have to adapt. And uh, he's got he's he's very impressive, he's he's, he's a tremendous athlete. I mean, and you see what he does athletically, he's obviously he's sort of smart to move him, and, and defensively, he's really made some incredible plays. So whether it's been on the base paths or whether it's been in the field, and remember, you know, he's and he's hitting now, he's starting to hit a little bit better and he's got some power. And uh the Yankee he, he, he's that X, that sort of X factor that you you hope to win it to win anything to me, you have to get help from unexpected places. you know, coming out of spring trading, you come out and you say, well this is this is what I've got this is my outfield, this is my infield this is my pitchers, is my relievers, whatever it is. Okay. That's this is my team. Okay, great. But you know what? People get hurt. People so you thought we were going to perform don't perform, and all of a sudden you have to find replacements, whether it be a, you know Clark Schmidt, or whether it be you know uh, Cabrera or you know uh, whomever, you know the, whatever. When you make those, or you make a trade, that you go get you know a you know Bader or you know whatever. The, the Yankees uh, made moves that they felt they they, they 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 pushed some of the right buttons here and some of the moves they made for sure. And because they've had to, if you're going to win, you got to get help from unexpected places, places you just didn't think you would ever go to. And you know what? They've gone to these places and they, and they've gotten some results. So that part of their game has been good. And uh, but you got to find a spot for him. I agree with you. I don't know exactly where they're going to put him, but they've got to put him somewhere. And the good news is he's so versatile, you can play in many places.
0: I think if we read the tea leaves, we saw yeah. Oswaldo Cabrera start the two games in the Pirates series in left field. Yes. Harrison Bader is back in the fold. Yes. Aaron Judge isn't moving out of right field. I right. think left field is the place that you are going to be seeing Oswaldo Cabrera for the uh, the for the majority of the rest of, of the regular season here. But, but uh,
1: Stan still has to show that he's recovered from where he was, right? And to put him in the outfield will be to tax him, but probably probably unwisely.
0: All right, let's sprint around the league here. Uh, next week's series in Toronto, final series between the Yankees and the Blue Jays. There's a, a decent gap now, six and a half games between the Yankees and Toronto for the AL East lead. Bar in a sweep, John. Is there a reason to worry about the division with the Toronto Blue Jays?
1: No, I, I mean, you know, the, unless the Yankees get, you, we have a, you have a disaster as we as we record this you know weekend against the week uh, ended this week and then the weekend against the Red Sox unless that's a disaster week <laughs> the Red Sox just sweep the Yankees and you know then and then the then the Toronto remains you know Toronto's played pretty, pretty fairly well and they've been on a, some hot streaks and you know cooling off a little bit now but but have been they've played really fairly really well the last you know two months of the season. And they made up a lot of ground on the Yankees. They really have. So they're a really good baseball team, and they're a force to be reckoned with. But if the Yankees go up to Toronto uh, for those three games, and the Yankees have you know, five-game lead or a four-game lead, barring a sweep, no, isn't that the Yankees are in pretty good shape. The Yankees just have to win a few games. They have to win some games. That what they have to hope for is they don't go on some, some ridiculous losing streak here. And I don't think they're going to. I think they'll play fine. I think that even if they play 500, it's enough for them to win. Because you, if you play 500, you're asking the Toronto pretty much sweep the run the table, and they're not going to do that. Not going to happen.
0: So, outside of the division race, you look at the Blue Jays. I think they're one of, for me, they're, they're one of maybe th- of three teams out of this six wildcard contenders from the AL and the NL that I take seriously. Like, I'll take the Blue Jays seriously. I'm going to take yeah. the Mariners seriously. Yeah, and then yeah. in the National League, take the Braves seriously. And, and when I say that, I mean, those are the teams that could really screw up the plans for some of the big eaters in this game right now. And I look at the top dogs, I see the Dodgers and the Astros. For me, those are the two teams that are clearly at the top of the league. And that doesn't mean that they'll be there at the end. But if you had to pick one right now, John, Houston or L.A., which team would you roll with in October?
1: Well, I'll tell you, that's tough. I mean, they're both excellent. You know, I know it's Houston is tough. Houston is really tough, and they're you know that. So are the Dodgers, the Dodgers are battle tested. They're veterans. They're you know, I boy, I tell you, I don't know. Uh, that's that that's that can be the way. Obviously, I mean, I I I you know me, I, I'm not going to hedge. I if I have an opinion, I'll give it to you. But I, I I think they're both they're both really difficult teams to beat, and they both understand October and they know how to win in October. Both of them. So that makes them both extremely dangerous. I wouldn't want to play the one of them, but if you're the Yankees, you may you'll have to play you you may have to play both of them if you want to get to where you want to get. You may have to go through both of them, and that's not, I don't envy the Yankees for that. That's going to be the hardest part. Is Houston the American League to to get past them? Yankees have to hope that they can, and the, or that somebody helps them. And then the Dodgers in the National League, I think that's going to be really tough. The Braves are really good too. You know, I would I wouldn't dismiss them. You know, and they it's always about who gets hot at the right time the should have Dodgers got hot at the right time. And then they, you know, they, they sort of like slogged along here. <laughs> the, 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 the Braves, they were at one time. They were double digits behind the Mets. You turn around and they were ahead of the Mets. They caught them, you know, and, and, and the Mets haven't played poor poorly. Just the, you know, the Braves have played the, the spectacular, incredible pace that they play on.
0: Out of this world. And out yeah. of this world pace for the Braves. Yeah. You mentioned the Mets. They are in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They've clinched a playoff berth. First time in six years. They're likely going to win 100 games in Buck Showalter's first season. And in, for me, like this is Steve Cohen's first true season as an owner. Has had a full calendar year to assess everything that's gone on with the, the franchise and has now been able to put his fingerprints on the organization. 100 games, probably going to happen. Again, a playoff berth. Is that enough for Met fans to believe that this year was a success?
1: Well, you know, if it's all you're going to get, then, then you have to say that it is. Uh, the Mets have to hope that they win the division, because if they don't win the division, they're going to really have an uphill climb to and to to come out of the wild card situation. It's not that they can't win in a wild card situation; it's just that their pitching will get so, their pitching plans will get so muddled. Uh, having to go through a wild card situation where, you know, if they, if they win the division, they get to the buy. they could sit up there pitching and having the talent that they have at the top of that rotation makes them a team you really don't want to have to play because of, because of the two guys who were at the top of that, if healthy. If healthy and right, I mean, you don't want to face the Grom and Shears. You just don't want to do that if you can help it. Because that's what you need to win. You need power at the top of your rotation. And the Mets certainly have it if, when healthy and if healthy. So, but that will get totally muddled if, in fact, they have to go through a wild card situation. So, if you're a Mets, you better hope that you win Uh, that thing. I mean, to me, I mean, I I can't speak for the Mets or the Mets fans or whatever. I I, I'm not in that that uh, position to do that, but I would say this: if I was, I would say that look at where you were, look at where you are, and look at the potential of where you can go. And that is a tremendous improvement from where they were to where they are to where they could possibly go. So uh, if I work them, you, you may not take solace in it, but you, you may not love it, but you could take solace in the fact that what a great improvement. And a lot of it is due to Buck so Walter, well, by the
0: way. For sure. Uh, yeah, for, for, for a Mets fan who probably saw their offseason moves and they made great offseason moves, particularly adding Max Scherzer along with Jacob deGrom, you thought, okay, we're going straight to October. I shouldn't have any lower expectations than that obviously the season has to play out and here we are at this point, I'm not trying to temper those expectations for October, but you've already accomplished a lot again in the first year with buck and Billy Epler and Steve Cohen working together, Steve Cohen, um, you know, said he'd be surprised. He'd be surprised that if they, you know, they didn't win a championship within a certain amount of time, like they're going in that direction. They're moving on that path. So Uh, this thing doesn't get built overnight. And uh, I, I already think that this is a huge success for the Mets here in 2022. One of the other things that is happening here in the months of September, definitely being overshadowed in my opinion, by Aaron judges chase for 62, but there's another home run chase. It's it's Albert pools, two home runs away at the time of this recording from 700 home runs in his career. Some of the same topics that we were talking about with, with what made Aaron Judge's run very impressive. When you think about what Pujols has done in regards to all the different eras of pitching that he's had to hit in, would Pujols be the most impressive hitter in the 700 home run club?
1: Yes. Potentially, yes. I mean, I, you start really you taking it apart and realize what he has done, particularly in the last few years when it's really hard at that age, you know, and it just is uh, to have the kind of accomplishments that he's the, the kind of accomplished seasons that he's sort of had in these last couple of years when everybody is sort of either wound down or is winding totally down he's still pretty viable and maybe not the player he once was, obviously, but, but still in all extremely viable. And to be in that position, given his age, it's, it's quite remarkable, actually. I mean, I think it is. And yeah, maybe it is. I mean, I, I, I do think that, you know, to, to reach that number, obviously you have to play a really long time and you have to be productive for a really long time. That's, that's the, that's the key to that thing is if you're going to hit 700 home runs, it's like, you've got to, You've got to play a really long time and you have to be fairly consistent from beginning to end. And most people, most even really strong home run hitters don't get to crack that number because it's 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 a large number, number one. And number two, the back end of their, their careers are spent, you know, with guys who used to hit, you know, 45 and 50 home runs or was consistently in that realm or higher. Are not you know get, uh, at the end of their careers they're hitting 15.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you know if they hit that so but but he's done a remarkable job of staying consistent and and being able to uh you know uh, to adapt uh, he's a very smart hitter he he, he knows the strike zone uh, and he's and he you know he's not, not afraid to use his, his his leverage and his experience to his advantage so i I, I, I mean that's my sense of it I, I i but I do to answer your question I do think it's quite remarkable and maybe he is maybe quite quite honestly maybe he is the most impressive.
0: Yeah, I mean, Babe Ruth, the level of pitching that he saw, obviously, nowhere, you said it earlier, nowhere near to what we were seeing. And the stadium,
1: remember, played Yankee Stadium with, you know, the the 296 down the the line.
0: Hank Hank Aaron, as amazing of a player that he was, I don't think he had to adapt through that many eras in terms of pitching style for the period that he played. Albert Pujols broke in during the steroid era, he played during the money ball era. He, you know, came through the analytics era now. And now with all the pitching technology that we have seen pop up over the last five years or so, it is really incredible to see what he's doing here in 2022. Does he come back next year? I know he said no, but how much do you think it would mean to him to be able to pass Babe Ruth and then just retire at some point in 2023?
1: Well, I mean, if you tell, let's see, seven fourteen would be Ruth, right? Yeah. So
0: he's not so far away.
1: No, he's not. I don't know. I mean, if I, it depends on what. Some people are content to. Say, listen. If I hit seven hundred, that's a great milestone. I'm really content there. And the idea of having to put myself through another season, and you know, all that it does to your body and everything else, and the travel and everything else, and do I need the money? Do I need... I mean, there's just some people just say enough's enough, and it doesn't really. If you when you go to Ruth, you sit there and say, well, now I need so and so to get. You're not going to get the Aaron. You're not going to get the Bonds. I mean, whatever. You're not going to get to those 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 numbers, right? So, so where exactly are you? You know, I, I would think if I'm him, I, I can't talk to him for him. I, that's a hard question to answer. But I mean, I certainly have one would want 700. And after that, I think you're playing, you're truly playing. He's already playing with house money, but you're really playing with the house money once you've eclipsed 700. So I don't know. I, I, he may sit there and say, I'm fine with that. I, I tend to think if he said he's going to retire, then he probably will retire and leave it alone at that. 700 is a nice number.
0: I think you would. I was going to ask what, we, what you would do. You kind of just enter that. I'm going after the babe. My gosh, you're so close. Get that record, get that seven fifteen. Well, I'm an idiot, and
1: then I mean, right off idiot, into the sunset. I would, I would probably say, yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to be able to say I was a, I did something on par with the great Babe Ruth, yeah. and you know, I mean, because Babe Ruth is still, you know, for, uh, no, no disrespect to Judge or anybody else. I mean, I, it, obviously, Babe Ruth is still like Babe Ruth. He's such mm-hmm. this mythical, magical, you know, the, the Babe Ruth. He had hit all those home runs over all those years. You know, he he out hit Leagues. He had more runs than Leagues hit. I mean, seriously, you start thinking about it. Like certainly teams, I mean, the out hit teams, leagues, everything else. It was incredible what he did, and, and he's still the seminal name in the in the sport. Still Babe Ruth, of all the great players who ever played, right? Still Babe Ruth. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah. yeah, if I'm him, saying, yeah, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm hitting seven fifteen, and then I'm riding off the next day, the very next day, saying, "All right, I'm out. This is it." Okay. So, all right. Anything else before we land this plane for episode number seventy nine, Joe?
1: uh let's see anything else before let's see no i mean we, we, we've set up we've talked about the yankees with the challenges of the next few weeks to this as the season is nearly done we talked about what the yankees need to do to hopefully find some answers for themselves we we know what their strengths are we know what their weaknesses are we know where they've been we know where they need to go uh we've talked about judge which which was just still epic it's still unbelievable and uh i mean is there a, a no and we've talked about what an accomplishment it is we talked about the mvps we talked about uh we talked about yes we've talked about the production value of the, the, the move over you know move over babe you know you've got company game and um i don't know I, 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 final thoughts i'm excited to see to get ready for the postseason yankees will be in the postseason no matter what i mean mm-hmm. you know, you know Um, that's not in doubt. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see where this team can go. And hopefully they, 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 they hit October uh, with some momentum because, you know, they have, they don't have a lot of momentum right now. Hopefully they find a little momentum and that, that that whole momentum will be to pretty much decide how they play against Toronto. Yeah.
0: I I was just going to say that I think they're playing pretty well right now, but they can really stamp that momentum with how they perform in those three games up in Toronto coming up next week. Fans, be able to experience this uh, this home run chase from Aaron Judge. Don't take it for granted. Get locked in. Watch every at bat because who knows when we're going to see a performance like this again.
1: Just enjoy it, you know. And uh, and the only thing we have left to do is thank our our producing engineering good friend Dan Besson for all his hard work. That's right, the- yeah, Dan
0: Besson thanks. making all this happening here behind the scenes. And that is going to wrap it up for this Great. edition. Of- of Curtain Work Call. the
1: great Ashley Fegasi. It's time to land the plane. So <laughs> land the plane.
0: We have we have located the landing strip. So with that, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. The best way that you can show your support. Again, for our great producer, Dan Stone and John J. Filippelli, I'm Justin Shackle. We will talk to you next time on the Curtain Call podcast, a production of the Yes Network. Mm.